Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Self-Medicated Podcast. I am your host, The Wayfair. I'm not going to go through all my AKAs for this shit, uh, but we're going to try something new. We're going to put the, the housekeeping on the beginning of the podcast. So, as always, make sure you go follow us on Instagram, at the Self-Med Pod. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review, wherever you're listening to this, we're everywhere. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Stitcher. You, yeah, Stitcher. That's the one you always add in. Yeah. Stitcher. Um, Spotify, Alexa, if you tell her to, we're everywhere. So just go make sure you you go check us out. Uh, leave a review wherever you're listening to it. Subscribe to that joint. Tell somebody else about it too, man. Make sure you're, y'all sharing this love out with other people um, so that they can fuck with it too. Our organic shout out for this week goes to the Blackout Podcast. From music to black culture to race relations and so much more. Blackout Podcast explores the perspective of the new generation of black creators, leaders, and entrepreneurs. Mm. Um, it's brought to you by the Black City Media Group. So make sure y'all go check them out on IG at It's Black City. It's B-L-K-C-I-T-Y. Uh, and make sure you let them know the self-medicated podcast sent you. Shout out to them. Showing Big shout love. out. Big shout out. Showing love. And um, yeah, if you want to get featured on our organic shout out, don't ask for the shout out. Because these have to be organic. So just show some love to the to the pod. Uh, we will see you and we'll give you a shout out. All right, bet. Let's get into the, this week's episode. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Self-Medicated Podcast for Monday, July 27th. Uh, yeah, welcome, welcome, welcome. We're going to jump right into the AKAs. I am your host, The Wayfair, a.k.a. Quentin Quarantino, a.k.a. The Banter Boss, a.k.a. Jon Snow, because I know nothing. And introducing... The new one. Mr. Super Fragilistic, Miss Me With That Bullshit. <laughs> we're gonna add that one in there we'll see how long that one lasts here as always with my co-host justin aka the captain of the igloo aka young popular and friendly aka the box hunter oh man i'm fucking oh, up no, no, no. let's try that one more time captain of the igloo young popular and friendly aka the box hunter aka one pop poppy uh we have a special guest on the phone that we'll introduce in a second but uh how was your week uh, it was, it was good, man. Um, yeah, it was, it was good. It was not much happening. Yeah, the news, the news week was good, but other than life week, it wasn't much happening. It was a real chill week. Yeah. How about yourself? Man, it's been a wild week. <laughs> it's only getting wilder. Yeah. More yeah. will be revealed, but yeah, it's just it's a stressful <laughs> week. Work and life. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's stressful. More will be revealed, I guess. Oh, nah, it'll be two podcasts from now when we can talk about it. Oh, damn. True. Well, not really. Depending on who's... We're going to take this part off for sure. But depending <laughs> on who's here when it drops by Monday. Because it's going to come out on Monday. If, oh, true, so, so, true, oh, true, 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 true. Yeah, we record. We're gonna have to record on Saturday next week. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll come out Monday. So you'll be, you'll be good. Depends. We might even just add. We could add something there. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah. Anyway, my week is wild, stressful, hella shit at work. 
uh, hella shit in life. But hopefully it's all gonna get better very, 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 very soon. Uh, I found some new forms of self-medication that we'll talk about at the end of the podcast, which is okay. dope. But I think that we should go ahead and jump right into the big topic of the week. Uh, and this is like the update version of the segment that we talked yeah. about Meg and Tori already. Um, so, like, I don't, I guess we should set context. Last week, was it? Or mm-hmm. two weeks ago? Last week. Last week, yeah. Last week, uh, we talked about the whole Meg the Stallion and Tory Lane situation um, where Meg the Stallion was shot, allegedly, by Tory Lanez. Um, and not a lot of details were out then, mm-hmm. but potentially some more details are out now. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to play some uh, a speculative clip from one Adam22 where uh, he shares some information that is... Uh, circulating around uh, so let's play this clip so the, what I'm hearing my version that I've heard from various people that have basically been trusted filtered sources? through AD yes very mm-hmm. trusted sources is that Megan and Tori have been fucking they've been chilling they go to this house party Kylie Jenner is there I heard depending on who you want to ask that either Tori was showing too much attention to Kylie Jenner or Kylie Jenner was showing too much attention to Tori either way Meg did not appreciate it Meg, maybe at this point in her career, has a little bit of an ego. She's feeling sure. herself. She doesn't feel like she has to deal with any disrespect. I, I heard Meg was violating his ass. That They got into a fight that was, like, bad. And I heard God that she, she was, like, really shitting on him. Like, really, like, I could see her disrespecting doing the fuck. Obviously, this doesn't justify no, anything. None of that. No, none of that. But... That's what I heard is that it was like it was bad, like like the the altercation that they were in and like the level of violation that he maybe was feeling. Obviously, not a reason for any violence. All right, uh, so Adam Twenty Two basically shares some information that uh, potentially Meg the Stallion was the aggressor in the situation. Uh, basically, you know what he alluded to is Meg and Tori were in some sort of relationship where fidelity of some sort was expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, either Tori was doing too much with Kylie and Ky- or Kylie was doing too much with Tori and Meg didn't like it. Um, and uh, based on that, Meg, were, Meg and Tori were engaged in an argument. They got into it. And, you know, one thing led to another and the results were shorty, Tori. <laughs> shorty. Tori shot Meg. Um, So with those details, new details uh, emerging, I would love to bring in our guest, Dr. BRB, um, to to hear your thoughts. First of all, how are you, doctor? I'm good. I'm enjoying myself. I took a few days off of work, done with finals. Life is great. That's awesome. That's awesome. Did you do well on your finals? I killed them. Nice. Nice. That's very confident. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Hopefully your next door neighbor doesn't tell on you since you're over there murdering. Car back All right. <laughs> um, so let's uh, I would love to hear your thoughts on the Meg and Tori situation. I, I, I hear you have some um, pretty strong opinions here. I would love to hear. Them. Yeah. So definitely want to start off by saying we don't have any like. 100% facts from either Tori or from Megan so I'm definitely want to kind of 
set the tone for my comments. For sure. Um, it's also how, the self-medicated podcast. Facts are of moderate importance here. <laughs> Facts are optional. Yeah, they are definitely <laughs> optional. Okay, got it. But I feel like after that last clip was um, kind of released about what they think happened as far as, you know, she was being really aggressive and then he shot her as kind of like self-defense in a way. Like, okay, you big as shit. I'm five one, you 5'10", and you hella big over me. And if you coming at me crazy, then he may have felt as though, okay, I have to to like how can I get this woman off of me or how can I calm her down in a sense mm -hmm. and so shooting her in the foot in theory to me now mind you I ain't never been shot but um, if if that was the case I could see some justification on his part because she is significantly larger than him and I'm of the mind frame of if women want to get as aggressive as men and take it there with a man, then they better be ready for the consequences because you can't want equality in some aspects, but not in all aspects. Interesting. Yeah. So you are saying that in a situation where Tori had no other recourse but to shoot her in the foot, then that should be, uh, I guess, contextualized in the situation and her behavior as well as his reaction, correct? Exactly, exactly. Now, I'm not saying it's justified because he, even if she is the aggressor, you have to return the amount of force with the amount of force that was presented to you. And so shooting her with a, like a gun, a, a using that deadly weapon, that did kind of go beyond but i think that we that would make more sense as to understand why he would have shot her in the first place if that makes sense i think so many people are just like he shot megan a man should never hit a woman or shoot a woman however like not to victim blame but there has to be a reason in this scenario first of all weirdest shit that they were even hanging out together and I really blame all this shit on Kylie because Megan was, you should have just stayed friends with Jordan and not been a flip-flopper. <laughs> so if you do some Kardashians oh, and now you get shot in the foot. So, you know. Um, yeah, last episode was titled, It Was a Jenner. So we're all, we're definitely blaming this on, on that family. <laughs> um, one last question I have for you is, what other way in this hypothetical situation scenario that we're describing, what other way could Tori have ensured his safety besides shooting Meg? Um, because I don't know all the details, I'm wondering if there was an opportunity for him to retreat, like get away from her before it escalated to a sense. I know mm -hmm. that the police, the video we saw they were, he was outside the vehicle. She was on the other side of the vehicle. So I'm not sure why they potentially were in the same vehicle with one another if the situation had already kind of had a hostile tone. Mm -hmm. But in his case, because he is a man and he's being crucified by society, regardless of what he did, his only option would have been to retreat, although he looks like a toddler standing next to her. <laughs> that's the, I guess, thing that's um, troubling, not troubling to me, but I guess, as far as like internet talk, if 
it was the other way around and Tori was significantly bigger than Meg and was larger, I think it wouldn't be as difficult for people to justify the shooting. But since right, right. the gender dynamics and all of that, it makes it a little bit hard because I notice everybody's like, well, that still doesn't mean he should have yeah. shot her, which I agree. <laughs> but at the same time, right, I feel like right. people... Right, right. We're not justifying the shooting. Right. Yeah. What's interesting to yeah. me but is I... that folks use... To me, it's the same... It's the other side of the toxic masculine coin for mm. folks to say that Tori is a man and a man should never shoot a woman. Mm -hmm. Even if he's threatened, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's almost like the opposite. It's toxic is, masculinity to say he's yeah. a man, he should be able to defend himself without shooting him. That's very That's true. also yeah. it's the same thing. And I guess, how should somebody respond if they're fearful for their life? Like, we don't know how he was feeling or what exactly was happening. If somebody's fearful exactly. for their life, you can't tell them how to respond. You have a fight or flight response. Exactly. Yeah. But I think the fact that, like, of course, he was a felon, so he shouldn't have, supposedly, he shouldn't have had the gun anyway. But I also think that this opens up a conversation about um, domestic violence against men, because mm. the the percentages of men that are on the receiving end of domestic violence disputes is kind of alarming. But society doesn't talk about that because it's always about women being domestically abused. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that this, if that is indeed true, which Megan has a history of domestic violence, that yeah. um, maybe this can open up some conversation around men having safe spaces to speak about um, dealing with domestic violence and it not just being like a, a female issue, a woman issue. I think, yeah, how this breaks down can determine how that conversation will go. Because if it turns out that he wasn't going to be able to justify why he shot her is going to continue to um, I don't want to say stereotype but perpetuate that men are always the aggressors when it comes to domestic violence issues but if it comes out that maybe Meg created a situation where maybe he felt that his only option was to do this then we can be justified in having that talk but otherwise I don't think we can really say anything until we get more details yeah, definitely right, need right. more details for sure. Yeah, because she's not going to say much because she can risk getting sued if he's not found guilty. And she basically defamed his character by saying anything. So it's best to, for mm -hmm. her to be quiet and for him to be quiet at this point. I think the interesting thing about this is all of the ingredients for a quote-unquote movement around men experiencing domestic, uh, domestic abuse, all of the ingredients for that movement to start are here. Right. Mm. The problem, though, is it would one of those main ingredients for that movement to exist is the fact that there are other movements going on and like mm. movements have attention right now. And so True. what my fear is, you know, let's say this situation turns out where Meg was the aggressor. Right. Mm. And Tori comes out and says, you know, as a man has experienced domestic violence, blah, blah, blah. Right. And then other men start sharing their stories of domestic abuse. Right. One of the things that I can anticipate happening is people saying, hey, men are appropriating the attention that should be spent on Black Lives Matter or any other movement right now and selfishly using that attention to talk about this issue. 
And given the stigma that already exists, I can also see folks downplaying the importance of that issue and yeah. trying to contextualize it amongst yeah. other, you know, other things. So that's my that's my concern. I feel like I don't know, like all of all of the ingredients for a movement to happen are here. It's just really mm-hmm. bad timing. I feel like yeah, <laughs> right? that could be said about anything. That could be said about people talking about trans lives or. The difference here is we're talking about men, and men are <laughs> like Which typically can, of the oppressor class true. instead of the oppressed class. That's very true. So I don't know. There's a, and, and if you think about a lot of times, the root of a lot of these movements is toxic masculinity. So yeah. like, that's yeah. that's a thing. That's why Terry Crews was such a big deal when he first came out talking his shit because. Mm. He added the like cis hit male version of that to that conversation. Um, not speaking about anything else that he's done, but just the <laughs> fact that he became, you know what I'm saying, associated with that movement. That's why that was such a big deal, is because yeah. it's like a like a parentheses me too, me too too. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like yeah. I don't know. Um, so that's what my fear is. We're, we're talking about individuals who would. Um, who have dual identities as the oppressor mm. as well. So, like, that, I think, complicates things. Any, what are y'all thoughts on that? Dr. BRB? Oh, shit, we lost her. Oh, all right, we lost the doctor. <laughs> what, are your, what are your thoughts, though? Um, I think that's a valid point. And I also think it's unfortunate because... I feel like it's never been a good time for guys to kind of talk about some of their issues um, as far as abuse and um, any kind of abuse. And like, I think part of toxic masculinity masculinity is guys not being able to talk about their abuse or knowing productive ways how to process it or to um, stop it. Yeah. So like, I think this would be a good time for that to happen because that would hopefully lead into other aspects of some of the other problems we have that are um, caused by men or um, blamed on men, so. Yeah. I mean, doesn't it just kind of make sense that if, to attack the root of the problem, if the root of these kind of, um, you know, oppressed movements that are going on right now is the behavior of men, Mm -hmm. doesn't it, makes sense to open up space to heal men so they stop perpetuating these things that we have created but then i think the argument for that would be well we need to work on the people they've hurt first before we can work on them that makes sense but i guess the, my argument would be we can all work together to heal each other i think the counter argument to that is just the <laughs> stage that we're at where yeah. we're still in the men taking accountability for their action stage mm-hmm. and like kind of the awareness stage still before mm-hmm. we start being able to break down all the rest of the hill i believe that's but I believe that's where we're some at. people won't be able to take accountability until they have better understanding of what they were doing wrong or some of the things they've had happen to them to cause them to act this way outwardly. That's a big. So I think we just got to do it all, man. Yep, I agree with that. You can't, um, we can't like pick and choose battles at this point. We can't afford that shit. Everybody's hurting. We all need help. 
that's a fact. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, should we talk about because the um, the abuse aspect? I want to bring up again when we talk about DMX and Snoop because DMX mm. alluded to it. But I also want to play this clip from Drea talking about the Meg situation. I want to bring this up because you know they always talk about black on black violence. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I'm gonna go ahead and play this uh, this clip. So basically, you know, obviously everybody has been talking about the Meg and Tori situation. I'm going to play a little something from Drea about the Meg and Tori situation. One of your problematic faves. One of my problematic faves, which I might have to walk back up. I heard take, but let's play this. Let's play this clip. I predict that they had some sort of. Bobby and Whitney love that, you know, drove them down this snapped-esque mm. type of road. And mm. I'm here for it. I like that. I want you to like me so much you shoot me in the foot, too. Like, But as long as... What the... Whoa! Wait, no, no, that is very Dre-like. Drop there. a grenade. What the... You want you what? I want you to like me so much that if I'm trying to get out the car and you're like, no, sit your fucking ass she in the repeats. car. And she I'm like, repeats. no, nigga. I'm fucking getting out the car. No, you're not. He shoot you in the foot. Wow. Yeah, yeah. You gonna and, fucking shut that nigga Now I'm not going in nowhere. In this moment, are you going? Drea just went viral. Now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just. And look, and she's looking like okay, like okay. Um, mm. I like niggas. Mm. When you say but niggas, niggas, what do you mean? Like, like okay. Niggas not, who are uh, so basically, Drea says she liked that toxic shit. She liked that violent shit. Yeah, she is not the first woman heard say something like that definitely not the only one too so let's break yeah. this down because i think it's a very problematic kind of uh message to put out there of like i enjoy that domestic abuse and i don't think that's what she's truly meaning mm -mm. but that's what it sounds like so let's try to break down yeah what she, even at the end she said i'm partly joking but then she was like i do like to be scared basically yeah. she likes the threat the, the threat of being abused but not the actual abuse of right. being abused which is confusing it's very very confusing this is where this is like mixed messaging but i think it would be helpful especially for men who try to like take this sentiment and use it as an excuse for their behavior and treatment of women but in essence, though, I feel like what she's trying to say is what she's speaking to is kind of we talked we talked about like visceral reactions to things mm -hmm. on this podcast before. Right. Yep. So what she what it sounds like what I'm hearing use my, <laughs> my therapy words. <laughs> what I'm hearing is what she's talking about is actually a sense of stability and safety. Which is a weird thing to pull from what she said. Yeah, like, I'm gonna need you to break that one yeah, down, bro. So basically, what she's saying is, that in terms of stability, she doesn't want someone whose uh, emotional state is tied to hers. Okay. What she wants is someone who is going to be stable regardless of how emotional that she gets. That's number one. The other thing is within that, being able to. Uh, I guess ooh, control is a really bad word to use here, but yeah. to handle a situation um, where uh, I don't know, to be able to handle a situation. The other thing <laughs> is 
there's um, an element of love or care yeah. that is assigned to, um, you know, feeling that emotion so strongly that you will do something to protect it. And I think that sh what she's saying is, I want somebody to love me and feel so strongly about me to the point where they would resort to violence to make sure that I stay around. I think that's what she's talking about. I think that's what she's trying to say. Okay, how I got what she was trying to say, and it's also based on other conversations I've had with women, is she wants someone that is aggressive, mm -hmm. um, takes charge, and can't be walked over. Right. So like if in that situation where she was I think she said it. The guy, you know, told her to sit her ass down. He's showing aggressive and like being dominant. So whereas if she told the guy to sit his ass down, he's like, okay, I'll do whatever you say. Right. I wouldn't be as attracted to her. So to me, it's weird because it can borderline on being toxic. It depends on the individual. I think like some guys are use that type of power to. Um, abuse people and control them, kind of mm -hmm. what you said, and some guys use it as a way to um, not allow someone to walk over them or take advantage of them. But right. it's a fine line, depending on the individual and other characteristics and traits they have, how that's gonna manifest itself outwardly. So what I think is the, the traits themselves aren't bad, mm -hmm. but the way that they manifest, or at least in, uh, the way that they show up, Mm -hmm. are what's toxic and bad. Yeah. And so what she's talking about is a demonstration of an emotion that manifests in a really fucked up, terrible, toxic way. Mm -hmm. But the trait itself is passion, care. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so if there were, because I'm sure if there was a way for that trait to be exhibited without mm -hmm. like having a resort to violence, then those women, including Drea, would still be attracted to that person. Yeah. Because that trait is still being on display. And that trait is what they're identifying as attractive, right? Or, mm -hmm. or as something that they um, would want. So then what that means is if we could figure out as men different ways to communicate our traits other than toxic ones, yeah. then that could potentially be better. I guess the first step is learning how to communicate. Yes. And expressing your emotions and feelings with your words instead of like with your actions sometimes. For sure. That would definitely be a good place to start, I feel like. I agree, I agree. I know a lot of folks use words to gauge where people are, mm -hmm. right? They'll <laughs> talk to you a certain way just to see how you're gonna respond. Yeah. And you know, so all of that that is very, very important. I thought that was important for us to highlight on because there's a gap in communication that like that gap they Kaepernick the conversation where it's like now you're just focusing on the toxic part, the problematic part when it's like the point though is mm. these are the traits that folks are saying that they're attracted to. Yeah. And we should figure out other ways to make those traits apparent other than toxic, destructive, violent yeah. ways. Yeah. Oh, wait, hold on. So after Drea said this, Meg was not happy. Meg uh, took to Twitter and goes, uh, quote, dumb bitch, that shit ain't fucking funny. Who the fuck jokes about getting shot by a nigga? And fuck all the whole ass niggas making jokes about it too. I'll talk shit. I'll talk about shit when I get ready. Um, 
So Mega is not happy about, I think, Drea joking on this situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that... At this point, um, man, I already know I'm going to be getting some texts and DMs now. It's fine. <laughs> <here> <laughs> Thank you for the support, my brother. <laughs> <laughs> At this point... Um, I feel like Meg is acquiring material for music based off of what's happening. So like, I'm not quite sure, maybe she doesn't see it that way because like she says, she's traumatized. For sure. But like, I think for artists, a lot of times, some, some of the best therapies, putting music out or writing down your feelings. Mm-hmm. So I, it's kind of fortunate, even though she has the right to do these things and say these things, that it's getting to her where she can't, maybe she is because she says she's gonna have some music, but hopefully she can find a way or outlet for this um, trauma or this pain or whatever emotion she's feeling outside of just like yelling at people on the internet that don't really care. Yeah. Because that's just gonna lead to more frustration and because like clearly the jokes bother her and she doesn't think they're funny. Right. You're not gonna hear these jokes or see them if you're not on the internet, so like, I feel like maybe the internet is getting to her a little bit because people on the internet are going to joke about you regardless of For who sure. you are. I don't give a fuck. Because I know a lot of people are saying, like, this is people joking about her being shot as uh, people being desensitized to the pain of black women, right? Mm-hmm. Where I think historically that has been a thing, but in the internet era, I don't know if that's 100% the case. There's definitely some people making jokes like that, but most of the jokes I've seen have been about Tori and it's kind of hard because you have this history of this happening, but the internet works a little bit differently a lot of times, so it doesn't really match up the morals of people and like historical context of things. I feel like I feel like it's fair to say that it's rooted in those in those kind of problematic things, but in action today mm. on the internet, I don't think that's folks' intention. Yeah. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, when we're talking about something in terms as like as deep as the trauma of black women, I also don't think that like any kind of discourse about it should be frowned upon or, or even yeah. put in that lens. So yeah. I feel two ways about that. Like, A, it's the internet, right? Yeah. You don't want to be the butt of jokes to stay your ass <laughs> off the internet. Don't be in the public eye. Yeah. That's one take. The other is any opportunity to advance dialogue about the historical trauma done to black women, I think is an opportunity that shouldn't be seized. She she kind of did that, but she didn't really... Well, now she can't walk it back. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. she's kind of dug in now. And it, what's really interesting is how this narrative is going to play out based on her domestic violence history and the facts of this case that are going to come out. Yeah. Because that could be damaging to that movement as well. If, like, she's out here... If, if it comes out, yeah, she was an aggressor. Yeah. yeah, that's that's bad, too. That's also bad, too. We need, I'm just curious how this all is going to work out because it can go so many different ways. So many different ways. We got... So either... Tori is just a classic um, example of domestic violence and he shot Meg during an argument. Mm-hmm. Or... The gun accidentally went off, mm-hmm. or literally Meg was being torn in the ass, and that was his self-defense. Yeah, it's likely one of these. One of those options. Options. 
Um, and depending on which one it is, I think it has different opportunities for like social discourse, honestly. Yeah, hopefully that is what we get out of this. I know the jokes are cool so. and everything. They're funny. I definitely laughed at a couple of those Tory Short jokes. Yeah. But uh, I think the most we can get out of this as spectators of all of this is maybe some helpful discourse on domestic violence, either way, men, women, whatever you identify as. Right. And um, it's productive and helpful, but um, I don't know if that's gonna be the case, but hopefully that's something we can get. I feel like in this today's day and age, that's a lot to ask for, but True. we can yeah. hope. We can hope. <laughs> we can Audacity hope. of hope. Audacity of hope. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about DMX and Snoop, man. The one of the best, one of the best verses so far. Yeah. Before we, you know, before we get into the details of it, who do you think won? Because we last week addressed that we both were rooting for different people. Uh, so I was Team DMX. What? You were, no, I'm sorry. I was Team Snoop. Both up, both up. Yo, so whitewashing history. <laughs> I was Team Snoop. You were Team DMX. Yeah, begrudgingly. Um, and I would have to say, I think I was about right. Twelve eight was what I predicted, right? Twelve eight Snoop. Yeah, something along those lines. I think it was about twelve eight, eleven nine, mm-hmm. right around there. Um, yeah, it was very, 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 very close. So here's my, uh, who did you have winning before we give our like? Well, you know who I had winning. I mean, uh, at who, the end. At the end, I had uh, DMX. I had it 10-8-2. So okay. they tied, especially towards the end. Some of the kill around enders yeah. didn't end the rounds as much as I thought it would. It was more like, oh, I can't even pick. They yeah. both hit the same. So um, yeah, I'm, DMX won by two essentially. So what I will say is song for song, it's probably about tied, low key. Yeah, and Snoop picked some songs I was surprised he picked, like the the East Sider song. Now, like yeah. I'll fuck with the song, but that was a little. I was like, you you could probably could have went around by picking something different. Definitely, <clears throat> um, DMX got some bangers. Mm-hmm. All of his shits are hit. The thing about DMX songs, they're all aggressive. So like they, they work for a battle. You had a couple, even the women's songs are a bit aggressive. Yeah. Real aggressive with the misogyny. For sure. <laughs> oh, we're gonna talk, we're gonna get into that. Um, another thing that I'll say is, I think that just performance wise, overall, just showing mm-hmm. Snoop did better. He's a showman. Yeah, he, he definitely had, you can tell who's been performing recently or has that in performance endurance because yeah, DMX exactly. is. Oh, he was out of shape. He was definitely out of shape. <laughs> Uh, one of my favorite moments was when uh, Snoop started crip, crip walking. That was amazing. Yeah. Uh, another one was when when DMX uh, exposed the fact that Swizz was in the building. He was like, nigga, that's your first verses. That's your first one, right? <laughs> that, that was just like a cool moment of like DMX basically just blowing up the spot. <laughs> just, you know, everything that was supposed to be behind the scenes, he brought to the front of the scenes. I think my favorite was when DMX was like, normally I perform this song with no shirt on. We're not doing that right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Snoop was like, if we get 10 million, we gonna take our shirts off. <laughs> nigga DMX was like, nigga, we get 10 like, million, we gonna be looking like the number 10 in Yeah, that, that, that shit was, was funny. Hilarious. Yeah, DMX was funnier than what I thought he would be. Mm. So I did appreciate that about the battle. 
and I'm really shocked. Maybe people just expected it because of the artist, but there was no like outrage over the lyrics or the misogyny or them using the f bombs or anything. People would just pretty much let it, let them get them off. I don't know it's because they had seen us like the older statesman, but I, even Ludacris got in a little bit of trouble for playing the R. Kelly joint. Yeah, so that was interesting. Can I tell you my hypothesis on why I think that was? Break it down. Because it's, it's versus has matured now. Okay. Even the audiences have matured. Okay. So I think that when this thing was new, when Versus was new and we were first on the lockdown, niggas was being reckless, right? Like, it's just like Twitter in the early days. It's like, it's a brand new thing, just yeah. let it all fly, right? Um, and so, you know, everybody was getting all of their shit off. Now, I think it has matured to the point where um, the comments and like seeing who's watching the Versus 2 isn't as. Uh, uh, it doesn't like add as much to the experience as it used to. Okay. Especially because so many different people can view it in different ways now. You can see it on Instagram. You can see it on Apple TV. Uh, yeah, like, that's there's how so I many different ways. Yeah. yeah, that was my first time using Apple. So the comment element isn't as huge, which means that saying something that's publicly acceptable and having the public judge what you say on the mm. Instagram comments isn't as big of a deal right now. That's number okay. one. Number two, this is number seven or eight of the versus battles. Yeah. Somewhere in there. Somewhere. Um, and this is the first one that had like this level of OGs in the game. These are the oldest statesmen mm. in any of the verses, right? Ooh. Teddy Riley 112. Well, Teddy, uh, Teddy Riley, Riley and Babyface. Babyface. Yeah. They definitely. Rap, though. Mm, yeah, definitely a rap, yeah. So these two niggas have a little bit more cachet. They're yeah. from a different era. People who fuck with them understand that they're from a different era. Uh, and people from this era probably wasn't watching this shit. <laughs> right? So, like, yeah. I think all of that plays into... Uh, into it and then I also think that the way that the uh, problematic terms that they used and when they used them were such I guess now non-influential parts of the song that they just kind of are lyrics now hmm. does that make sense they don't really they don't hold emotion behind them but I think that now just hearing this a little bit more nostalgic you know what I mean it's yeah. just like oh shit I remember all the lyrics yeah. of the song type shit so okay. maybe that has a little bit to do with it too. Okay. Possible, I can see that. I hope that's why. <laughs> uh, but what's dope about that is that people understand context and understand yeah. that we don't fucking need to cancel Snoop. Uh, that, that is a and jump DNA. for people, but yeah. <laughs> 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 people understanding context. Huh. Yeah, what well, a concept. We can only do uh, One of the big important things I wanted to make sure that we talked about in the, uh, in the battle was uh, D the DMX freestyle, intermittent freestyle. So they, I'll say Snoop freestyled at the end of the 20 songs, just mm -hmm. fucking around on the mic doing what he does, and DMX could not keep up. Uh, but at yeah. some point in the second round, um, as they were transitioning between songs, DMX did a freestyle where he alluded to uh, being sexually abused at age, what, 13 or something yeah, like that? Yeah, by a 26-year-old woman. And that that's the reason why he got to keep fucking. Um, <laughs> and 
this was something that wasn't really harped on, talked about. Yeah. It didn't really like grab any headlines or anything like that. And I think it also builds off of what we were talking about with the Tory and Meg thing, just the stigma of men being on the receiving end of abuses mm. and how society talks about that, looks at that, treats it. Yeah. It, yeah, because you could tell like when he did that two bars, like it threw Snoop off. Yeah. Snoop was like, I think all he said was, "That's real." Yeah, <laughs> something yeah. like that. It might have even came after slipping and falling. I don't remember correctly, but mm. yeah, because it's interesting because historically, no, that's exactly what it was. Because he preluded that by saying, "Write that pain." Ah, uh, yeah, that's exactly, true, what true, true. That's exactly what it was. Exactly what it was. Exactly what it was. Because, like, if anybody that isn't a DMX fan to give some context to DMX as an individual. Most of his career, he's been plagued with personal demons. Um, he talks about his demons, but doesn't really get into detail on his music. So he also mentioned his mother beating him, and he thinking it was acceptable for a woman to beat you or mm -hmm. treat you that way. Mm -hmm. So I, and he, DMX has also had substance abuse problems. So I'm assuming all of this has come together with trying to hide it as far as self medication, dealing with the. Yep. success of being this mega rap star and also having these issues you never quite resolved as a young man growing up and then all coming together and you know it's plagued him throughout his career as far as like using drugs and just wilding out hopefully he's in a better place now but now kind of just hearing him say those two things and that versus gave a little bit more context to him as an individual and like some of his personal struggles so it was nice to kind of get that because you never really heard them speak about it in detail because like you said men don't really talk about their right. abuse i wonder i don't wonder a lot of artists use their art uh to deal with their pain right mm -hmm. um and i think that this is something that's really really prevalent i think that even you know as songwriters even if you're not getting the credit for writing a song but some like somebody's like what do they call them? Heartbreak songs. Mm -hmm. They fill them, fill them. There's yeah, pain, yeah, pain behind yeah. those, right? And I wonder if the music industry is full of songwriters using writing as their form of self-medication. Like mm. you hear a lot of these same people who, um, you know, maybe on the surface may talk about some of the shit that they've gone through. Yeah. Um, and then when they get asked, you know, do you go to therapy? No, nah, I just make my music, you know, mm -hmm. I, I just pour my emotions into my music and that's what makes me feel better. So that's self-medication. But it's always ridiculous when rappers that don't have music about anything say shit like that to me. Like, are you like really? Who? Like, Lil Only Pump might say some shit like that. You're like, uh, Lil Pump, you drinking codeine to get away from the shit. Yeah, I was about to say, I don't watch Lil <laughs> Pump interviews. So I can, but like, I hear people that, oh, somebody just got flicked. Um, I hear I hear people a lot say that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that form of self medication, being able to write it out, and I wonder what it is because if you're being vulnerable and honest and like truthful in that situation, but it's hard to talk about it any other way than over like some 808s. <laughs> what is that, right? Mm. Like what? Why is that? How can we dismantle that so that 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 folks don't feel like that's the only way for them to, yeah. be able to get it out? Cause maybe that's not the maybe maybe that's not enough. Maybe there's some more prescriptions 
that motherfuckers need to like incorporate into their self-medication other than hey i was in the studio i feel better now like maybe it it should be yeah because i can see that just being um what's the term cathartic just mm-hmm. being able to speak it out but speaking it out doesn't necessarily mean you're taking actions to address the issue for sure because a lot uh, a lot of rappers use drugs for that <laughs> yeah so yeah that's the difference of kind of what you mentioned last week about self-medicating and like kind of trying to hide or run away from the issues you have and how you're using these things to do that so yeah. what do you think the reaction should have been to what DMX said I think <laughs> this is might be just asking too much, but I always see these threads on the internet where someone might speak out about some kind of issue or trauma they had, and people start a thread based off like, I was abused, like say this is this hashtag, I was abused, mm-hmm. and this happened, so that somebody should have started a, I was abused, and this happened maybe, but like I said, maybe the DMX's audience is not tech savvy enough because mm. DMX himself is not tech savvy enough to really um, do something like that but that would have been ideal maybe yeah. kind of breaking that stigma down of man talking about their um, abuse and trauma and all these things right. kind of what Dr. BRB was saying that's a good point there's another person who wrote their pain out this week <laughs> uh, Mr. August Alcina. This shit took a turn earlier this week. I'm glad that the DMX and Snoop shit and yeah. other things took over the news because this nigga August Alcina is trying to get beat up. <laughs> he is trying. He's trying to get beat up, bro. So this nigga puts out a song. After the Red Table Talk, Will and Jada, the whole entanglement shit, and entanglement became the word that everybody used. I saw somebody use that word the other day at work. I was like, really? Okay. <laughs> Uh, um, but August Alcina puts a song out called Entanglements. Yeah. Which is basically the soundtrack to this whole situation. It sounds like, I really wish we could play music on this podcast. We can. How much? We can't play it on YouTube. We can't we play it on music YouTube. before. We play it like a couple seconds, right? Yeah, that's all we need to do. Entanglements. I can sing it. I'd rather you play the audio. <laughs> you know, we gotta, you know. We'll work on that for next one. But, but also, yeah, this, so it's featuring Rick Ross. Uh, August Alcina singing it. What are your thoughts, reactions to the song? When I first saw this song, because I saw it randomly surfing the internet. Mm-hmm. Same. Um, and I, the first thought that popped into my head is like, what the fuck did Will Smith do to, what did Will Smith do to Rick Ross? Yep. Because Rick Ross doesn't seem like he would involve himself in this type of shit unless he had a reason. Exactly. And Rick Ross is low-key really petty. As fuck. He's not Cameron 50 Cent level of petty, but he's definitely petty. So I'm like, (laughs) what the fuck happened there? I don't know if they had some kind of deal that fell through or he didn't like how Will was moving. That part, I'm more curious about that part than why August felt the need to make this song. I agree. That's a strange kind of out of left field feature for this yeah. song. Also, uh, this was one of Rick Ross's better verses, metaphorically speaking, which which bothered me. <laughs> like, I was like, damn, this nigga got the pen active, active for this one, like that. That was 
I was talking about his willpower and how he was jaded and all. I was like, oh, yeah, bro. that's why, like, yeah, he like really took the time to make there. this. Like, yeah. why? <laughs> that was very, very interesting. Yeah. Um, couple other reflections about this song. I thought it was very shittily made in terms of the editing. It was really hard to hear uh, in, in terms of like discerning words. Mm. And uh, that's really important in a singing song, especially if you're gonna use a lot of auto-tune. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like that took a little bit of spice out of it. Um, <laughs> another reflection that I noticed is he didn't really say too much about Will in the song. It's a couple lines here and there, but mm-hmm. again, August Alcina's attention has all been directed at Jada. Yeah. For the most part. I guess that was another conversation I saw early in the week. Since I guess abuse seems to be the theme of this mm. episode was um people saying that if the shoe was on the other foot, the way the shoe would be on the other foot being if Will Smith made friends with one of um, Willow's friends under the guise of trying to help her deal with whatever um, substance abuse or um, mental issues she had, mm-hmm. and he ended up sleeping with her. He would got he would have gotten canceled. Yes. Whereas with Jada, that is not the case at all. I'm not sure why that is exactly. I mean, I think it's kind of what we were talking about. It's the historical shit. It's the shit that don't have nothing to do with them. I think it's the perpetuation mm. of historical uh, way that shit has been is that when men behave that way, men behaving in that faction has resulted in all of these fucked up things that we have. So for you to continue yeah. doing that is one thing. When it's the other way around and it's a... Um, perceived to be a abnormal situation it doesn't come with all of those kind of implications of past actions and behaviors and all of that damage and weight doesn't it's not carried in the same way okay. even though the action in and of itself may be just as damaging you know what i'm saying or or yeah. potentially worse it, it just doesn't have the historical implications and damage that comes along with it which is gotcha. something that needs to be evaluated when we talk about like these things like the Megan Tory situation, it's not as simple as we'll put the shoe on the other foot. We also have to add a little bit of nuance and context to it in that sense where sometimes that could be unfair. There's still a lot of weight behind all of that before you even get in the situation. We talk about people's real actual lives. Neither one of them were thinking about the implications of domestic violence on the black community when they were in that situation. That's you know what I'm saying? Very so, true, very true. Yeah. <clears throat> There's that. The song is decent, though. The August I've seen the song. It's decent. It could have been mixed better. Yeah. It's not a song I would listen to again, but I was like, it's a quality song. It's, it's not... Yeah, it's not going to move anything, but it was it was a decent song. It was a nice little cap. Mm. Nice <laughs> Hopefully this is the last thing we hear about that shit. <laughs> no, I still want to know what Jada did for them to break, for her and Will to break up in the first place. I want more. Yeah, you want more? I want more. Uh, B-Dot and Elliot Wilson better bring Will as back for part two, goddamn. Because <laughs> I want more. I want it because that's, that's been my beef. I don't feel like Will got his shit off. I don't think he mm. was satisfied with the Red Table Talk. Mm. I don't think he felt like Jada took accountability. I honestly don't feel mm. like he felt that way. That's what makes this, that um, her being like an abuser in this situation a little bit more, gives it credence was how she was trying to sidestep and tap dance around 
taking accountability for what she did and how things turned out. And also some of the lies she told mm. as far as like not talking to August or I don't know what he thinks. You know that what he thinks. That was on the show. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so, yeah. This goes back to another theme too. Just to kind of wrap up so far everything that we've talked about. The August Alcina, Jada, Will Smith entanglement. DMX's abuse as a child. Meg versus Tori. And in all of these situations where uh, where black women were not the victims, and we talked about a little while ago, how do you hold black women accountable? Mm -hmm. In these different situations, who is to hold these women accountable, bro? Jada, (laughs) Jada skipped it because she has her own show and she can edit down to 12 minutes if she wants to. Yeah. That shit was probably two hours long. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, um, all signs are to point towards if Meg is the aggressor in this situation and Tori shot her in self-defense, still feel like there could be a lot of challenges in holding her accountable in this situation. Yeah. How do you hold black women? How do oppressed people hold other oppressed people accountable for their actions? This is something that's really tough that I, I don't understand. Who is supposed to hold them accountable? Uh, um, I guess the the most reasonable people to do that is people within that whatever oppressed group. Because like it's always on men. You always hear this on the internet. I guess it was a clip going around of this lady saying that we're always telling black men to hold each other accountable or hold we're always trying to hold black men accountable. So I think it's expected that people of that group to hold people, same other people within that group accountable. Mm. So I, I would say that it was probably be up to whoever considers themselves to be in the same group as Meg to talk to her and if that if it if that's what happened. Right. Or right. with Jada, maybe she needs another fifty year old black woman or her mother to be like, well, actually, you you fucked up in this right. situation or something. Right. Yeah, I think that's the only reasonable because otherwise it's going to come off as you don't know my pain or you don't know what I'm going through or you're not part of this group so how could you know or understand what happened my biggest concern is always in these conversations especially when we're talking about like toxic masculinity and all these things because my goal is for more people to truly understand these terms and change Mm. their behavior based on their new understanding right and so when we're talking about things like what we're talking about a lot of times what men tend to do is um i don't know point the finger or come up with excuses or find a reason to justify their behavior Mm. and my fear is that there's a lot of these niggas out here that are going to lean on well black women don't get held accountable yeah for them to continue the type of behavior or, or at least not as an excuse to not confront and evaluate themselves and how they show up. Mm. Uh, so I would love to try to figure out a way where that answer, where there is an answer to that question so that that can't be used mm. by niggas no more, right? To, to escape <laughs> accountability. But so in, in addition to that, I'm also genuinely interested because who the fuck? Yeah. yeah. Who the fuck? Who the fuck? Um, 
A uh, couple more, I guess, artist topics. Did you, have you seen Kanye's tweets this week? His who? Tweets. <sighs> Been all over the goddamn place. Man. Um, I, I've seen some of them. I don't know if I've seen all of them. I do know what I saw today about Kanye, but yeah, as far as the tweets, uh, yeah, I saw. Wait, what did you see today about Kanye? I saw a clip of somebody, a picture of Kanye going to the hospital. Oh yeah. So I don't know if that's true or what, but yeah, it would make sense after all these fucking tweets he's been putting out there. All right, so it all started a couple of days ago <laughs> when apparently Kim tried to meet up with Kanye with a doctor. And two, two doctors, mm-hmm. and that shit set Kanye off into one of his classic Twitter rants, mm-hmm. where he uh, came at Kris Jenner. He said some things about his wife Kim that were unflattering. Yeah, um, was just basically ranting and, and, and going in on Twitter. Um, <laughs> Kim tried to, according to Kanye bring doctors there and sent him off in a rant uh, that included a lot of different things. Like I said, he was talking about Chris, he was talking about Kim, he was talking about a whole lot of shit. Um, He said the movie Get Out, everybody knows the movie Get Out is about him. He said that, uh, it was a a few things that he said that was just wild to me. He tweeted Google, Google search page information for Jennifer Lawrence and Halle Berry. Yeah. Which I didn't understand I missed, that. I missed those. Yeah, his tweets were wild. Uh, and another thing that I think is important to note here, he's alluding to willing be willing to go to war with Chris Jenner, which is... That's manic Kanye saying that. <laughs> I don't know if he really... But here's the thing. That's the only human form that could probably take out Chris Jenner is Manic Kanye. <laughs> that's the, that's what's scary about this. Manic Kanye is probably the only one who could take down Chris Jenner. Yeah. Um, I don't know. He said some more shit. He said he's been trying to divorce Kim for like two years now. Yeah. He said that. Uh, but what does that, that even she mean? She tried to fuck on Meek Mill, and Meek Mill was a real nigga and let him know about it. That's what he said. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Uh, wow. Uh, Meek hasn't commented. Mr. Twitterfinger hasn't said anything about that, though, has he? No. So that part, I don't like. I don't know what's the validity Wait, to he that. He might have actually. I don't know if because Meek will usually like slip in a joke or do some like emoji, like the eye emoji or something like. Maybe he's scared of the Jenners too, and know better. And <laughs> then add anything. Well, the fucking ahead. new death row niggas scared and rap to talk about them. Oh, you don't. You must not understand. The only person I know that talks about the genders in a way that could be seen as disrespectful is the game. Because I remember you were talking about basically you would fuck all of them or he did fuck all of them. Yeah. He, yeah. But other, everybody else don't really be saying shit. I feel like Outside the Outside of I want to Fuck Kylie. Right. The only reason Game could get away with that is because he's discounted as a clown. But yeah, so after those series of tweets, uh, that it was two separate nights where he mm-hmm. was tweeting. The first night was when he said, movie Get Out was about me. Uh, you know, I would never, I swear that I'll never let Kim do North like Chris did Kim. Mm. I would never let my... Uh, 
my wife would never let her daughter pose for Playboy. All of this, they would never release a sex tape. All of this other shit. He said all of that. He said all of this, and the first night of tweets. Of okay. Oh, I have them screenshotted because I was sitting there <laughs> watching the shit live. This was on Twitter, right? Yeah, this was all on Twitter. So after that, this is all at that night. The next morning, Dave Chappelle flies to Wyoming to go be uh, with him. And they okay. took that picture, right? Yeah. That night, he goes on another Twitter rant <laughs> where he's talking about um, the other shit he said about Meek Mill and, and so mm. all this other shit. So after, so then the following day, uh, there's a picture of him going to the hospital, and I read a little story to say he showed up at the hospital. He was in there for like ten minutes mm-hmm. and then left. Right? Okay. And then uh ambulance from that hospital showed up at his crib. But then also a bunch of other people, Justin Bieber and his girl, and a bunch of other people showed up and there's pictures on Twitter's Kanye of them doing like tour type shit. Tour uh, of, of Yeezy shit. Yeah, I saw a picture of Justin Bieber and Dame Dash, which is the most random ass pairing in my life. <laughs> they were talking. I assume Kanye had to be involved for the two of them to be even talking to each other. So the speculation right now is either that, you know, some of his closest people are coming in here and just checking on him, or there's some creativity going on. Mm. I noticed that album didn't drop. Noticed that. I didn't expect it to. I don't think anybody did. Anybody with any kind of understanding of how Kanye has been the last few years as far as album drops had any expectation of that shit coming out so yeah I, I don't know there, there's a lot of speculation on you know is is Kanye actually you know severely bipolar and having manic episodes is he doing this trying to sell shit um, you know what exactly is going on with Kanye it's a lot of people that's real close to me who have been asking me for years to say something about Kanye because of how I've talked to him about him in the past yeah. and I just refuse to do it what do you? They want you to like speak out against him, or like, what do you they mean? want? Yeah, they want me to say uh, something because they know how I feel about Kanye West. They want me to say something, and I, I, I don't want to give them that satisfaction. Number one, but number two, me, what I would be saying is yeah. not what people want to hear, right? Like that, I get this nigga. <laughs> I, I think it would sound be like defensive. All right, if he, huh? If the things he said did did align more with what black people on the internet want him to say. I think that is the root of the misunderstanding of Kanye West. Right there. (laughs) That, yes. That is the, all he does is shit that don't nobody want him to do. (laughs) He's the type of person, you gotta, I'm gonna go into it a little bit here, but I'm not doing my Kanye West Mm -hmm. mental dissertation today. I'm not doing that. (laughs) Maybe some other time. But, if you think about him as a person who has never been validated in any capacity in anything he's ever done, mm-hmm. and the only validation that he gets is the recognition is in terms of recognition from people that aren't necessarily close to him or care about him. Okay. So then that means that whenever you tell him that he can't do something, right? Then two things: mm-hmm. a, he feels like oh. I could do that and let me show you. And B, those people who are like downplaying them, he's trying to prove to them, he's trying to get their recognition and their approval. So all he's going to do is just take the most difficult shit, the most difficult route, make it as hard as possible, 
and then do everything that he can to, in his mind, justify it as a win and being successful in that arena. That's, hmm. yeah, that's a, that's a, it's more nuanced than that, but like, that's a real brief, like, kind of overview, in my opinion, of, I, of, yeah. I think that the main issue is that outside of just him having mental health issues is the way he, he, um, the way he um, deciphers information once it's given to him and how he speaks that information out, mm-hmm. I, I feel like some of the things what he said wouldn't be as controversial if he knew how to word them properly and gave them context. But he speaks a lot without context. And when you speak without context, it leads people to take things into their own hands as far as trying to decipher them. So that's why you have people to be like, oh, I know what Kanye was trying to say. Right. Trying to say this. Or people are like, Kanye said this, so he means this exactly. Right. He needs to learn how to speak with context. But also, I don't know if that's a reasonable expectation of someone that's going through mental health issues. I don't think it's reasonable to expect. I don't. It's not to me the mental health issues aspect. It's a person who thinks like Kanye West. This person, he also uses Twitter like, like, the like same way Trump you're does. Writing notes in his phone. Yeah, this is, these are not yeah. things that should be shared with the public. That's not yeah. how he uses Twitter. Trump don't use it that way either. This is kind of like their sounding board of thoughts. They're not, yeah. I don't even think either one of them puts a whole lot of stock into people's reacting to what they say. I think they're just saying shit on there. <laughs> I honestly you're believe that. reading what they're writing, it, it kind of seems like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we already know Kanye is not the type of person who gives a fuck what other people, like his moves aren't dictated yeah. by popularity public, or yeah, pop, public. public opinion or any of that. So, I, yeah, no. Nah. And if you notice too, he went back and deleted a lot, some of them tweets over the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. Some of them shits he left. <laughs> right? Now, yeah. he, and he's publicly apologized and yeah. sorry to Kim and all of these other things yeah. but some of that shit he left there yeah. for a reason for a reason yeah. <laughs> for a reason he, bro he called he did a quote unquote typo and and called it a rape tape uh, uh, what did he call it what did he call it I think he called it the rape tape instead of a sex tape uh, Kim and Ray J yes talking about how I would never oh no he called it a sex rape instead of a sex tape because he's alluding to the fact that Chris pimped Kim out for ah, that shit. I got you saying. So like even that look, look the letter R and T are right next to each other. So that very easily could be a typo. Or was it? Or was it? That's the type of <laughs> shit that he does on purpose though. Yeah. He might not even think through it enough other than, oh, this is going to confuse people. You see, this is exactly what I'm saying with Kanye. People are trying to decipher what Kanye was doing because he doesn't have context. Yes. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. One last hot take. I think Cole might be better than Kendrick. I think he might have surpassed him. Based off of what? Based exactly? on his last two songs, his album, his last album, J. Cole's last album. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he's about to put another one out before Kendrick has done anything since Damn. His last album was... Damn. No, I'm in J. Cole's last album. What was it called? Cake. 
KOD or something? Yeah. Which was two years ago? Three years ago? 2017? 2018. So I'm really not quite sure of the argument. You said the two songs. What about the two songs made you come to this realization? Uh, Because they're in the Kendrick Lane. Uh Uh-huh. They're in that dope bars, dope cadence, dope beats, but saying some real shit Mm -hmm. and making it sound cool and catchy and clearly flexing on the lyricism. I haven't heard the songs for the record. Okay. I I assumed I was just going to wait till the (laughs) album came out. Who knows when that's going out? But the... um, I guess my thing is with these two songs, mm-hmm. it's almost like Cole Kendrick better than Kendrick, and that's where mm-hmm. where I'm saying like, oh shit. So combining the newest art that we have from J Cole, right, with the fact that we haven't heard and all of the shit that Cole has done since the last time we heard from mm-hmm. Kendrick. I think the argument can be made, and we're talking about a five-year span now. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about the last year or so. We're talking right. about the last, like, five years. Cole may be Kendricking better than Kendrick. I mean, I have a vote for who I think is currently better than both of them niggas. I didn't ask, but let's talk about <laughs> those two. <laughs> let's talk about those two. <laughs> who, who, who? And I also know you're a contrarian, so I, yeah. you probably don't even fuck with Kendrick like that. He's honestly. cool. It's cool. I, I think my favorite Kendrick albums, <laughs> what Jay-Z say, if you like my old shit, then buy my old mm-hmm. shit. <laughs> I really enjoyed um, Section 80, yep. Mad Kid, Good Kid, Mad City. Those are like my favorite all-time Kendrick projects. The newer stuff is cool. Well, you it just doesn't hit me the same way. Huh? There's only two other projects other than and one of them is Damn, the Pimple Butterfly. Wasn't there one more? No. That's it? <laughs> That's what I'm kind of trying to say. He released one mixtape before Section 80, though. Yes, one mixtape before Section 80. Which... They had Michael Jordan, too much for these hoes, too yeah. much for these niggas. That's one of my favorite songs <laughs> ever. When he was going by K-Dot. Yep. Yeah, some and people don't even count even Section album. 80 as yeah, an album. album. Good Kid, Mad City, to Pimper Butterfly, Damn. I didn't realize he only had that many projects. Huh. He got, I think Big Pun only had like two or three albums too. I don't know. See, I guess that makes it tricky. Kendrick doesn't release enough to keep himself in that conversation, maybe in a way that a Drake does. So I feel like Cole is the happy medium between Mm. a Kendrick and a Drake. Really? Where he puts out enough to be relevant all the time, but not too mm. much where... He's oversaturated. oversaturated. Yeah. Now, Kendrick has the... Or, I'm sorry, Kendrick. Drake has the ability to dibble and dabble in genres, which gives him a little bit of extra mm. leeway, I think. Mm. Um, and low-key, Kendrick could probably do that shit, too, mm. in terms of dipping and diving into different genres, just because of how dynamic of just a voice he is. Yeah. Um, he has spoken word training, so like he knows how to play. He uses voice. spoken word training. No, that's the thing. If you listen to certain people, it who just rap, sounds funny to me. <laughs> Chance has that too. The way that he raps, you can tell he got yeah. spoken word training. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a thing. Spoken, spoken word, training. word training. Fucking uh, who else has that? Most Def. Most Def does that a lot too. 
I don't know what the fuck Most Def be doing. Most that he got. That's what that is. He's just like that's spoken word training. It's where your voice, where it's starting with your voice as the yeah, instrument. That's we didn't get into the. This is just a random thought. We didn't really talk about the Joey Badass project in detail. Mm. But when I was listening to it, I was it reminded me of Most Def. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is like a Most Def impression. The music was really good, but yeah. like. It just definitely reminded me, like, he sounds like most Def's son, the way he was, like, singing and the type of production shit, he chose yeah. and the lyrics. I thought it was interesting. You could tell he definitely inspired him. For sure. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Joey Badass, too. Which is not something you really get from artists inspired by 90s rap. I feel like you get, like, a lot of Nas or uh, Rakim or Pete, Public Enemy. Mm. But you don't get, it like, a lot of most Def because he's one of the few guys I remember, especially back then, sing singing, yes. Or at least sing-songing. Yeah. yeah. In like a soulful way at that. So that's kind of cool. Movie got. is one of my favorite songs mm, of all time. Classic, Man, yeah. I love this Yeah, it's definitely in my top ten. Um, all right. Any other new music that came out that we should talk about since yeah. we're still talking about artists? I listened to that Flo Millie shit. <laughs> I saw so many people talking about that. I decided not to listen to it. But I should have listened to it. I'll get to it eventually. See, this is how this podcast is changing my life. Because usually I'm the same way. Like, oh, everybody's talking about it? Dead. <laughs> now, but I was going to listen like, to it. Though, <laughs> now but I feel like, like I got to like, be current. I shit. ended up listening to some other shit. That's all. So I listened to Flo Millie. I listened to Logic. I listened to the Lupe Project. I listened to Currency. I listened to... I listened to, to the Currency. I don't fuck with Currency anymore. But I listened to that just to... Brought in my horizons, and yeah. I, I thought it was nice. I thought it was dope too. I listened yeah. to the Justin Rari. Slow down, bro. You, how you gonna skip over this one? Ain't this just basically the deluxe? No. It's I like, saw these names, and I'm pretty sure these are some of the same names. Yeah, it's like albums. one or two extra songs. But that was, I think she's the best rapper out right now. Currently. Oh, I 100% agree. We're talking okay. about Rhapsody, first yeah. of all. I 100% agree. She's one of my, my favorites out between right Between Cole now, and Kendrick, I think she might be the best. But nobody's really, well, of course, because she's a black woman. Nobody's really talking about yeah, exactly. her. Exactly. But I skipped over this project to Too Lyrical because I legitimately thought these were just the Some of like, them are. Records from I think her project. I don't remember. Like, I'm pretty sure Cleo, track three. But. Yeah, I'm pretty sure these are probably like. Remixes. But she had more songs on her original project. What I'm saying is I think these are just the ones that she... This is basically the deluxe version of that album. So the songs that are slightly different and a couple extra songs. But I didn't listen to it, so I don't know. It's only six songs. Right. How is that a deluxe? (laughs) Maybe I'm not describing it right. So this this is basically the deluxe version of the album where she's putting out six unreleased tracks that were associated with that old album. So mm-hmm. while not presented as like a traditional deluxe version of the album, she put it out as like... I think it's the greatest hits of that album. The album has 16 songs. Right. And so what and I'm all saying All those songs, is, are, I think, are on the album. Yes. So I think it's the greatest hits of the album. You see what I'm saying? I see what you're saying. Yeah. What I'm saying is another way to do a deluxe is to pick some of them songs that you would uh-huh. release on the deluxe version. Usually the deluxe version has a couple remixes and a couple of new songs. Usually deluxe has more music that is different. Right. And what I'm saying is instead of just doing a traditional deluxe mm-hmm. version of the album, she just did what those different songs were and put them as their own project. The other thing I, I think she picked her best is, 
songs because it's called Too Lyrical. Okay. So I think she picked the best songs from that album where she felt like she was spitting the best. Yeah, so like, what's the fucking point of me listening to all this stuff? I'd rather do I that than listen. I'm curious to see the artists pick the songs they thought were the best songs on the album and just make their own separate album because that's what the people ought to do do a lot of times when they another artist release the album they'll make their own playlist of that album but I, I guess, fuck with this I don't fuck with that so yeah I didn't listen to the two lyrical project because mm-hmm. I've heard all of these songs already There's but not together in this it. order brother but I could also <laughs> just listen to it as a playlist though that's, is what I'm it's saying true. I didn't yeah. approach this as a new project mm-hmm. from Raps. that's why I didn't listen to the Flo Millie because I was listening to that in the currency oh, and I was gotcha, saying like gotcha, 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 Rhapsody gotcha. is spitting just made me realize again how good that album was the other one I listened to was Dirty Tay. That nigga should have put it in the washing machine. Is that? Mm, mm. I don't know who any of these names are. What do you think about that rap name, though? Dirty Tay? Like I said, he should have washed up. <laughs> he should have washed up. Justin Rari, his shit was pretty good. What kind of music is that? That was rap. I mean, like trap or rapidy. Trap, young thuggish trap. Gotcha. Singy, okay. kind of. The Roddy Rich type. Slow week. I have yeah. I have to listen to the Lupe as well. The Lupe is actually pretty good. Even the dinosaur song. Yes, I fucked with the dinosaur <laughs> song because I definitely listened to the JVP first before I played yeah, it. So I knew how to I knew yeah. how to listen to it. The Logic shit was big mid. Did you see that nigga crying? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I went chat around. Mm-hmm. Anyway, mm-hmm. Uh, and then the Flow Millie shit probably was my favorite project that I listened really? to. Really. Dr. BRB is going to be happy to hear that from you because yeah. that's one of the people she's mentioned um, fucking with as far as female rappers a couple episodes ago. I need her to figure out another flow or pick some different beats, but she have a project. flows? Hmm? No, it's one. She'll hit you with a dad joke. No? <laughs> one milli? <laughs> See what you did there. <laughs> one flow? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, flow solo. So. Um, yeah, so I, hers was my favorite project that I listened to. Out of okay. All of those shits wow. I listened to. Uh, Currency was close, close second. Yeah. And then... Um, Currency needs to stop. If we're going to talk about Flo Millie not having different flows, Currency needs to get some different subject matter. Oh, I'm tired of hearing about your goddamn cars and your weed. He's the godfather of lifestyle rap, man. What but, you want him to do? Change your lifestyle, nigga. For what? <laughs> Made him rich. <laughs> For what? Uh, he's too comfortable. <laughs> mm-hmm. I want to see Currency venture out. Man, at this point, I can't even blame Currency, man. He he done found what he do, and he just does that. You got to remember, way, Currency is way, way out. And at the end of his career, he's shooting threes. Yeah, like for real. <laughs> Slashing and shooting threes. I'm pulling up from half court only. <laughs> and he still releases like a, a, a project every month. Yeah, I looked at, I was looking at uh, the albums he released. He released five albums this year. Yeah, it's like literally once a month. Yeah. He might take a month off here and there, but yeah. Like, I think it was yeah. last year where he actually did do 12, wow. like, individual whole-ass wow. projects. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he put, he puts out a lot of music. It just all sounds the same. That's yeah. Like, this one was nice. I, I fuck with Harry Fraud as a producer, so that's really what kind of got me to listen to What's it. What's this? Is Fourth or fifth mixtape? Harry Fraud and... With Harry Fraud? Probably. I'm really looking to this Benny the Butcher and Harry Fraud mixtape. That's going to be so good. That's going to be so good. I want to hear... I'm excited to hear Donda, the Kanye shit. I'm excited to hear it just because I think it's going to be big mid. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I never turned out listening to music from Kanye. You can't. 
I mm-hmm. did want to touch on, I think our self-medicated segment for the week should be Andrew Gillum. So this is how we're going to design this. Every week, this is the self-medicated podcast. Every week we're going to talk about uh, some form of self-medication, whether that's from uh, the host of the podcast or uh, something in the news or pop culture that is important to highlight as, and identify as forms of self-medication, right? Um, so this one, the first one that we're going to, or I guess the second one, that we're going to do is going to be both. We're going to do a hybrid because okay. there's some things I wanted to talk about personally about self-medication, mm-hmm. and then there's a public figure that I think is cool to highlight in terms of self-medication as well. But I want to start with the celebrity. Or, yeah, let's start with the celebrity. Okay. Um, so... Uh, this flew under the radar, but Andrew Gillum made his public return after his wild boy shit. I'm pretty sure we called him a wild boy on this podcast. Mm-hmm, if man. we didn't, yeah, had your theory about y'all. him. Yeah, oh yeah, I did have a theory, which actually might be. I, didn't, I, don't know, I might have to add Nostradamus to my AKAs because I think I was right. AKA going to end up being the first the ten minutes podcast, of the podcast. Right? <laughs> I'm okay with that. Um, <laughs> So Andrew Gillum, uh, the displaced and disgraced former candidate for Florida governor. (laughs) Displaced uh, and disgraced. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Recently, at some point, I think it was this week or last week, um, took to the internets to make his first public statement since he was caught naked with pills and men in his hotel room. Don't forget the alcohol. And alcohol. Um, And... Uh, he took to the internet to kind of, uh, I don't know, make his per- first public statement since that incident. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I it was a very compelling 11-minute uh, video that mm-hmm. he put out. Um, some of the things that stood out to me were just some, just... I don't know when you when you're around this type of shit and and like in therapy and just around folks who are in therapy, you hear certain shit and you like and you're able to identify where shit came from, a fucking therapist. But just the tone uh, that his words took and the accountability that I think he took Mm -hmm. in a very public official fashion, which is taking accountability without taking accountability. Um, sort of way, but just, I don't know, just the, the messaging and uh, what felt like the veracity of what he was saying and just kind of the heartfeltness of what he was saying yeah. um, in that video, I think, really stood out to me. Um, and it was it was really dope to, you know, we, we, we're uh, bombarded with images of fake shit all the time, yeah. constantly. And so when some real shit happens, it, for me at least, stands out. Yeah. And I felt like this video stood out for some of the reasons that I mentioned already. But the other thing is, he didn't ask for anything in this video. No, he was just speaking his truth. He was just talking. There was no, you know, and after this journey, I think I'm going to start a podcast or... Mm. And, you know, now I have a book coming out. There was none of that. To me, Loki alluded to some things, but he didn't outright because he he mentioned about how he's been writing to kind of process some of the things that's gone down in his life and kind of this whole situation which to me leads me to think a memoir is coming 
And potentially, I think so. But the way that he framed it, and I think framing is the most important thing, at yeah. least what I'm just talking about in this day and age. The way he framed it, though, wasn't that, hey, I'm I'm writing this shit out and I'm yeah. going to share it with yeah. y'all. Yeah. The way that he spoke about it was, hey, when I write, this kind of helps me process the shit. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't say it as in, hey, I've been writing some things and y'all might actually fuck with it. <laughs> no, he was like, hey, you know, being able to write some of this shit out has been yeah. able to help me process it in these different these ways. So it, it struck me different. Yeah, I didn't. I don't think I also. I didn't realize how good of a speaker he was as far as like relaying the message and it seeming sincere. Yeah. Because like and it, it flows like so well, reading, almost right. as if he was reading a teleprompter, but you could tell he wasn't. Right. But uh, I was like, man, this. I wish I could have voted for this guy. Right. <laughs> Type shit. Yeah. Type shit. And it, I think the thing that stuck out to me the most was he mentioned something about shame mm. essentially saying that like shame is such a powerful thing that it can cause you to do things kind of I guess would let him down this path of, like abusing drugs and alcohol is that the shame he didn't really say what the type of shame he had but I guess whatever type of shame he was dealing with led him down this path I guess maybe you mentioned maybe the shame of losing yep. um, his, his uh, campaign but I thought that was really important because people don't really view shame as such a powerful thing, but it really is. Yeah. Shame can cause people to almost kill themselves or lead down a path of destruction. No, they people f- understand it because they talk about slut shaming and all but that shit all the time. So they understand shame. I think yeah, people do understand but shame. But I guess I'm in more shame, shame when an individual is battling shame, mm. not necessarily a societal shame of mm. how people view something or like when someone feels mm-hmm. like they can't really speak the truth because they will be um, looked at a certain way. So I'm assuming maybe like maybe someone's coming out the closet and they have a homophobic family. Right. The amount of shame they have to hold in to keep that secret in is so toxic to themselves. So it's kind of interesting to hear him speak about that. Um, I'm glad he got that message out there. Um, hopefully somebody else was able to receive some help from what he was saying because I thought it was really good. Yeah, I, I agree. Shout out to Andrew Gillum. Uh, I don't know what you know is next for him, but I just thought it was a really great example of just a message that felt authentic, that mm-hmm. felt real, it felt vulnerable, felt accountable. Um, and I don't know, I just feel like it's super dope to like uplift those examples when we see them because we yeah. don't see enough of it. Very true. In terms of uh, medicine for the week, um, all right. So what was your what was your medicine for this week? I know you say you didn't have too much of a. Yeah, um, I came across this guy's videos randomly, and I because I've seen his internet clips or like his memes. He has this one song in particular. Are you talking about Mark? Yeah, so I sent you a clip of him and Erica Badu making a song live, and like that led me down a path of like his videos, and I was like, man, this guy is super talented and very creative and hilarious, because he's like he has a sway video he did with uh, Rico Love where they kind of did some stuff together. Mm -hmm. He also has an episode of uh, The Cave with Kenny Beats where they make a really 
great sounding song. He's a good producer. But um, I believe, because I don't know French that well, his name is Mark, M-A-R-C, Roublet, or Roublet. Riblet, something like that. <laughs> Mark Riblet. Mark <laughs> That's Riblet. his American yep. name. Yes, this is American name. <laughs> he was on Flagrant. Did you know that? He was on an episode of Flagrant. He was? I might have missed that one. Yeah. Or I might not have realized who he was. But uh, Mark, M-A-R-C, R-E-B-I-L-L-E-T. He makes really, he, he's one of those people that uh, does, like, he loops music, so he'll make a song on the spot, and he's a pretty good singer, and he's a very talented music, musician, so, like, I've been just kind of watching this stuff and laughing my ass off, and uh, just enjoying the experience you get just from watching him create something. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was my, my medication for the week. I'm not going to lie, that, that uh, Erica Badu video that you put in the group chat, mm-hmm. I watched that shit like four times back to back to back <laughs> literally usually when I look at shit if I'm watching like a video or something I watch it on my laptop when people yeah. send me shit on my phone just cause it's a phone and I don't like looking at it in yeah. that format I usually will wait but you sent that to the group text and I legit sat in the bed yeah, had you not seen it before? no I hadn't oh man okay. and I legit sat there and watched it back to back to back I would, on my I would, phone over I would go to watch him in concert actually oh hell yeah I'd watch him in up and back room. up yeah I'm, I'm, <laughs> like, <for real. laughs> I'm watching him perform also, uh, great great cues to take for green screen ideas, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He uses the green screen. Because overall, just super entertaining to watch. Yeah, he's, he's great. <laughs> he's awesome. Um, so for me, uh, my, my medication this week has been doing shit with my hands. Oh, um, not that. <laughs> kind of uh, manual shit. So... Um, it started with I had to build like Whitney bought this like shelf thing. Okay. Um, that I had to build and I was like hammering and screwdriving shit. Hammering and screwdriving <laughs> yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah. So then it made me I don't know what it was, but like then I just started walking around the house, uh-huh. looking at everything that needed to be hammered and screwdrivered <laughs> in. Oh man. And so I ended up going around and like <clears throat> tightening door hinges and hammering in nails that needed yeah. that were like starting to fall out and that shit felt amazing i'm not really? going front it felt good to be able to like i don't know what it was but it just felt like fixing things yeah yeah right so like i'm sure there's just random shit in your day-to-day life that you don't notice that yeah. it's just like it could be a loose doorknob or something like that right like on a cabinet there's something that's yeah. loose when you open it and it's not a big deal and it's not like That's probably critical. why you haven't fixed it. Exactly. Like, it's like, yeah. Right. It's like it's kind of a whatever. Or when I get a chance, and that's one of the things you yeah. never get a chance to do. Yeah. But then when I did it, it felt so good that A, I wanted to do other things, but it also made me feel better about those things around the crib. Mm. So like it just changed the feel of the of, of my living space, it felt like to me. So like I legit okay. went all through the apartment, finding like even shit that like a landlord is probably supposed to do. Like, I was just going through, like, loose nails and shit. There was, like, a, a, um, like a doorway, door frame thing mm. that just, I felt like needed one yeah. more nail in it. <laughs> so I just put an extra in it. Yeah. And it yeah. just felt really, really good. So yeah. uh, it made me think about doing more kind of, like, shit with my hands. Yeah. So, like, maybe. That's, that's funny you said that because I actually have a DIY project over here with these mirrors I'm going to do. Mm. 
I'm gonna make a three-way mirror because I'm gonna start cutting my own hair. So. Ah, nice. Yeah. So yeah, DIY projects I think might yeah, be something that I. That's actually a, a loophole I've gotten in, a loophole a rabbit hole I've gotten into on um, YouTube. Yep. Is uh, modern builds and it's a black mm. guy that just like adds LEDs to everything he builds, mm. but the shit is really dope though. <laughs> <laughs> he like, and you know I had to add my LEDs because right. he has a southern accent. But yeah, it's definitely you I do enjoy doing stuff like that. So yeah, that's that's dope. You got into that and just started nailing shit that didn't need nails. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, they. They didn't need nails, but they could use them, <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> um, That's dope, man. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll, we'll do some medicine for for every episode, A little, give you a little dose. The day, the weekly dosage? Daily. We'll come up with something mm, creative. Yeah. Maybe we do an Instagram poll or something. Okay. Um, I know you hate those ums, but I think that's it. Anything else <laughs> we should get to? Anything else we should talk about? Ah uh, man, I think we've had a good week. We touched on a lot of different things, got some good perspectives. Yeah, definitely. They yeah. um this is actually one of my probably one of my favorite episodes. I feel like we did the whole gamut. We was, we had some mm. with some comedy, some real shit, some 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 dope shit. Mm-hmm. This was good. It felt good. It felt good, it felt great. <laughs> um and also, oh man, the content that we're going to be having coming up soon is going to be so lit. We're going to be bringing uh, some video elements to the pod. We're going to just have some different forms of content for y'all to digest. It's very, very exciting. Um, life is happening. Things are changing. And y'all going to get some dope shit. That's all I know. Um, so, as always, let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. Uh, I am your host, The Wayfair, a.k.a. Quentin Quarantino, a.k.a. The Banter Boss, a.k.a. Jon Snow, because I know nothing. A.K.A. Mr. Super Fragilistic, Miss Me With That Bullshit. Here, as always, with the captain of the igloo, young, popular, and friendly. <clears throat> excuse me. Young, popular, and friendly. A.K.A. The Box Hunter. A.K.A. One Pop Poppy. And it is your self-medicated podcast. And we out. The shame that I felt from all of that, from the harm that I had caused was 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 tearing me up. Um, I needed real help to try to unpack that. Uh, it's one thing to feel guilty for a harm you feel you may have caused someone. That's how you know you're human. That's how you know you're not a, a, a sociopath. Um, uh, but, 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 but shame is something completely different. Shame is like kudzu. It takes over you from the inside out. It has no real meaning and redeemable purpose other than to keep you from being the person you need to be. Other than stopping you from being your truest self, other than keeping you from your own purpose and promise, Um, It has no other purpose. It has no other meaning. It has no other desire. And so get rid of shame. Forget about shame.